0: Last time on video night. Got it, got it, need it, got it, got it, need it.
1: I like to wear my Adidas shoes and my Kangol hats. I got my hand at Bob Leave me alone. Don't add me. What? I'll let you be the judge. And now. Hello, Michael.
0: Hey, Andrew. Hey, as you uh, you may have noticed, I've been pretty busy lately. And in the last, what, two weeks since we recorded the last episode, I have gone to college, I have graduated, I have got my degree. I also paid for you to go to college to get your degree. All for this moment right now. Doctor?
1: Yeah, no, that's not true. <laughs> None of that is true.
0: (laughs) Of course not. What kind of person could go to school in two weeks? Shut up. You ruined
1: my joke. Oh, what's your joke? Sorry. Sorry. What's your joke?
0: It wasn't even a good setup. I was going to say that we were both now doctors, and then we could just call each other. Doctor? Doctor? Oh, right. Nope, but just Well,
1: that's because well, we're talking about funny, silly movies, because it's so heavy right now. Our past episodes have been a little heavier recently, so how about something lighter? Something silly and Dumb and dumb duo dude movies. The first of which is
2: Spies Like Us. Spies Like Us, Chevy Chase, and Dan Ackroyd. We've got a very special assignment for you two. Heads down! This is my sister. You can all have her. That's a coffee? That's a good idea. You see that. Hey, come on. Honestly, you two are unbelievable. Every minute you don't tell us why you're here. I cut off a finger. Mine or yours? Yours. Damn! Down! Oh. Hi-yo, sober. Away! Chevy Chase. Get us the hell out of here! Dan Lloyd You think my high school guidance counselor said I'd never amount to anything. Spies like us. Doctor? 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 <laughs> Glad I'm not sick. We're Americans!
1: Doctor, 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 doctor.
0: Five minutes, I'm stuck on. Which is actually just a great scene. These are our newly arrived surgeons,
2: doctors Trowbridge and Greenbaum. Doctor, 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 and doctor. Well.
0: We miss anyone? You know, it's, it's weird that this movie was not liked by critics. I can see where there's a few flaws here and there, but if you look back on a lot of 80s comedies, a lot of them do not hold up, or they're very cringe-worthy, or they were sex-obsessed. I still, to this day, cannot understand how it is that Porky's made so much money. How did this happen? What the hell? But if you look at all the comedies usually associated with silent Live actors, almost all of them are still, like, great today.
1: Yeah, I don't know, to answer your Porky's thing, I don't have an answer? Spies Like Us is a strange one, too. It's set up... Well, it's a Cold War movie, definitely. It's set up like a sort of a conspiracy sort of film. Like, we're in on the conspiracy. And it doesn't seem like it should be uh, such a silly, standout sort of film. But it is. And it is because Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd are the two dumb dudes. And only Chevy Chase is kind of the dumb dude. Right. Well,
0: they're, they're dumb in the situation they're put in. They're a fish-out-of-water situation. Where, yes, Chevy B. Chase seems to be the kind of guy who wrote his character, I mean, Fitzhume. He wrote his entire life on charisma or pulling some sort of con. He's like the evil version of Fletch. And he doesn't really...
1: Yeah, but, but the thing is, he's not really actually smart. He has ingenuity. But he puts all of his effort it's a lot of work, too, into not working.
0: I've seen so many people like this in real life. It's mind-boggling that I'd be like look, you know that if you actually did what you're supposed to do, you'd actually save some time and energy and wouldn't get in trouble eventually no one gets away with this kind of shit and the, yeah the, <laughs> when they take their
1: test he certainly doesn't so
0: both of them are going up for this major test i don't even know why chevy chase's character wants to go up for it i get why dan Aykroyd's character is he's kind of like a droopy dog character you know he really knows his stuff but he's just- well it's not
1: that he wants to go for it he has to he's obligated to and he's like no i could just okay. like, No, no 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 this is a different test this test is harder it's like 500 questions this time and all that yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, well, I say the reason he,
0: he wants to do it is because he's been kept in the basement and, and someone else is getting credit for his work. Oh, oh,
1: Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. I, I was talking oh, about Oh, oh, no.
0: Dan, yeah. Dan Aykroyd's character wants to do it because he can't stand the fact that he's basically being, I mean, in a weird way, it seemed like he was a prisoner.
1: Yeah, well, he's, it's kind of a blackmail situation, again. Like, I've talked about this previously, where the boss is bad and he holds the employee in this position and he says, Well, you can't do anything about it. Or else. It's that or else. So he's gonna do something about it. He's gonna take that test. Problem is
0: he didn't know about it until last minute. So he does a studying, but Chevy Chase puts so much work I, I gotta stop saying Chevy Chase. His character feeds to him. puts all this work into cheating, which is mind boggling because in the time that it takes for him to cheat, he could have actually I don't know, uh done some homework.
2: <laughs>
1: right. Well all of us cheating. He's like got a fake arm in a cast. He has the note in the eye patch. Doesn't he have he spits out the notes he eats the note at
0: one point he pulled the, the notes out of his mouth and he, like covered in slime he's like looking at him and shove it back into his mouth
1: <laughs> right right
0: yeah he, he works so many angles and the it's only a... reason they get where they're getting is a because they are a decoy for the real duo that's going over and the fact that they work well together
1: well this was the thing that's interesting they never met before right and dan Aykroyd starts covering for him for some dumb reason he's like yeah, okay fine i'll help you cheat because 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 you're being annoying. I'll help you. Shut up. And then it gets out of hand and he starts covering for him. Quite obviously. I don't know why. No, I think it, it's I, never addressed Yeah, you know, I
0: wonder if there was something left in the editing floor about his character. I mean, he seems like a sweet guy, but I feel like there's, it seems like there was another thing, like I don't know why he, I've been like this in high school where I'm a nice guy, for some reason I cover up for these dipshits. I let so many people cheat off me, I have no idea why. But Dan Aykroyd is one of those few actors and he's severely underrated, who can play a complete tool, and then the next Next role he plays a really sweet like kind of off shucks kind of guy he's one of those very few actors that can pull that off right Whereas Chevy Chase has almost always been like the same character over and over. He's Fletch in every movie, except, of course, the Griswold films where he's a lovable doofus. And-
1: right. Well, here I would say he's a little bit like Griswold and Fletch. Yeah. A combination of the two. Well, He does that, too,
0: in the next year because John Landis hired him again for Three Amigos where he's kind of the wise-ass but kind of doofus at the same time.
1: So John Landis directed this. This movie also is chock full of actors and little parts full of notable filmmaker people.
0: Is this the only time that Harryhausen has ever acted?
1: What? No, I didn't. I just said what I said because I knew what I said but that's not regarding Harryhausen. No. I didn't know Harryhausen was in no, this No, no, he's, he's one what? of the
0: doctors. He's in there with Terry Gilliam. He's the second to last doctor. And Sam Raimi shows up. Uh, the Cohen, One of the Cohen brothers shows up. Really young. Yeah, there's like a handful of people that show up in this. It's weird. Like B.B. King shows up. Wow. Arguably the best performance by B.B. King because the other movie is Rockula. <laughs> uh, which
1: which, uh, LB hadn't talked to you about last Halloween, but she, she was supposed to? Yes. Alas, uh-huh. she never got around to it. That was the one that on her Halloween list. Does she Yeah, like on Rock her Halloween up? list that she yeah. accidentally wow. dropped.
0: I wonder why girls like that so much. I mean, I like it because I'm a huge fan of Dean Cameron, even though I know it's a terrible, awkward film. My sister's like, oh, it's a great movie, I love it. I'm like,
1: what? That's why LB likes it, it's Dean Cameron. Yeah,
0: but it's not a good movie. Yeah.
1: Rockula. It's fine. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Spies Like Us. This is during John uh, Landis' like, heyday. When he was like, for the most part, just hit after hit after hit, and nothing really slowed him down. Even that horrible accident on uh, Twilight Zone didn't hamper his career in any way. It wasn't until the 90s that all three of these guys, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, and John Lannis, all of a sudden their careers completely derailed. What happened in the 90s that made people just go cold to all three?
1: I don't know. Products are bad.
0: I don't think so, because I thought Oscar was a great film, and it bombed, and I thought um, uh, Innocent Blood was great, and it also bombed. And that's when things started to go wrong. When he did Beverly Hills Cop Three. Huh. That was the biggest career mistake.
1: <whistles> Terrible film. Well yeah, well well coming to America was fine. That's eighty eight. That was a hit. Yeah. And you said Oscar. I remember seeing Oscar a lot, actually. So I don't think that was a like Detriment to his career or anything, but Innocent Blood. I don't think people were on board with Innocent Blood, and then when he did Beverly Hills Cop Three, people were not hanging out with that one. Yeah. That one seemed like not a Beverly Hills Cop type movie.
0: Yeah, and and Chevy Chase it did. Seemed... Uh, what I like the movie, um, but I know it's flawed. Is Memoirs of the Invisible Man and Nothing But Trouble. You know those two movies, yeah, back to back, very expensive. And that's with
1: Carpenter. Yeah,
0: and that's when they kind of washed their hands of Chevy Chase. Dan Aykroyd seemed to be kind of a slower. He just kind of. uh, switched over to supporting roles which kept him going for a longer period of time but he was no longer above the title but 88, kind of where everything went kind of wrong, like Caddyshack 2, My Stepmother's an Alien, The Great Outdoors, Couch Trip, just like four flops right in a row and you know, I can see why studios started to grow cold to him.
1: Well then he did with Chevy Chase, Nothing But Trouble. Oh, God,
0: what a terrible movie. My, Jacob loves that movie, and I am absolutely at a loss as to how anybody loves the movie. Really?
1: I, you, do you like it, too? Oh, you know why I would like it, right?
0: Well, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the music and the style. That no, no, no. It's okay. got
1: nothing to do with rap. Okay. It's got to do with insanity you know, how crazy it is the left turns the movie keeps making and all that that's all okay that's all. well apparently I don't YouTube think it's a masterpiece friends <laughs> it's a weird movie I mean it's gross. I may so one gross. day cover it on what did we just watch oh. So it fits there but um, I'm looking loose cannons yeah and then he had a bunch of small stuff like driving Miss Daisy he had that biker movie Masters of Menace yeah it,
0: but he was smart because he invested in the house of blues and crystal stall uh vodka and he's made apparently a ton of money off this and plus I'm sure he gets a big chunk of everything that's Ghostbusters because he co-wrote it and he also co-wrote this movie, Spies Like Us. I think he does a good job balancing something that could be in an action movie or a serious film and blending the comedy in very well.
1: Yeah, so you saying that he co-wrote this makes a little bit of sense because he's kind of a conspiratorial mind. Yeah, well, he's got his ear to the late night airwaves. Did you ever watch that show that
0: he produced? Chronicles of the Paranormal?
1: I, I didn't really like any of his Paranormal stuff it's interesting but he seems like a guy that if you get talking he'll just talk your ear off and you want to ask a question and you just won't be able to get a question in
0: i am the only person on the planet that would prefer it if ghostbusters was more focused on his character and bill murray shut the hell up
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i don't get me started on bill murray i'm not a big fan on him and his character's a creep and i think a lot of the ray stuff was clever and interesting and funny. Ray and Egon. That was good stuff. But anyway.
0: Yeah, those are my guys right there. Yeah. Um. But you know, the funny thing is, there's a little bit of that problem in spies like us. Is that Chevy Chase? His character is of that era, sexist. Sometimes I don't remember if he did something homophobic in this, but you know, you ever notice how many movies back then are like this? Like it was normalized. Like wow. Just, every time you watch like a kids movie, it seemed like teenagers were calling each other, you know, uh, homophobic slurs. Yeah. And women were just sex objects.
1: <laughs> Very often, or or like the contradictory thing women are totally capable but they've also they're also super sexy and they're the survivor and they win at everything but they they're super sexy and they're also also there for us to oogle you know it's like this yeah let's do women empowerment yeah, on dixon character Let, let's make it a it's like wonder woman the new wonder woman she's super attractive she's a mary sue she's good at everything she does which is all cool and everything but how about give her some flaws and then have her triumph that's some forward thinking instead she's like perfect beautiful doesn't everything right. That's kind of like an 80s fantasy woman. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, if you ever read the comics, she's there are times when she's almost psychotic because she's such like of this warrior culture that she does these like really violent things and it's it's jarring for the rest of the characters of the Justice League. In fact, there was a moment where she snapped this guy's neck because it was their only option but Batman and Superman didn't believe it's their only option and they broke up Justice League. They refused to have anything to do with Wonder Woman. Nerd! Think she was nerd! Nerd! Yeah, so it is a nerd moment but sorry, that was a tangent there. The nerd alert just went off. Uh, Spies Like Us I think is the best of the four movies that we're going to talk about here. Um, (laughs) I have seen three of the four of these movies in the theater and two I deeply regret.
1: (laughs) Okay, look, look, look. Spies Like Us I don't regret. I'm just going to say. It irritates
0: me to no end. When
1: I suggested doing this topic and and combing over the options of what to talk about, you suggested definitely Spies Like Us and I'm very happy about it. And the other ones, we hemmed and hawed over a couple of ones. Like, look, we're not doing Bill and Ted. We're not doing Bill and Ted ever because it's so daunting especially you and i talking about it would be daunting and i did an episode with what did we just watch about it because those movies do get bonkers and that was a super long episode and if you want to hear about bill and ted go there but they're a good example they're like a prime example
0: wayne's world could be discussed but i feel like there's a Night live episode we could get out of this show or maybe like a hard rockin doofus you know get airheads and you know spinal tap or something like that i suggested kingpin which i think is a masterpiece oh you didn't say anything
1: about kingpin not to
0: me did I? I didn't? Oh,
1: shit. Not to me. Um, <laughs> Not to this guy. Uh, but that's Dome. three guys, though. I isn't suggested- it? No, Kingpin is King two Pin? guys, isn't it?
0: It is two. It's Vanessa Angel, who's oddly also in Spies Like Us. Way to bring it around, Michael! That
1: makes out the trio, so <laughs> Vanessa Angel. Uh, but, but the thing is, some of these movies, when I first saw them, I really took to, and I was like, wow, this is great. And now that I rewatched them... For this show, (laughs) yes, I'm in an odd spot, and we'll get to that later. (laughs) But the first one that we're talking about. Is still good. Spies like us is still good. I'm
0: still pissed. I can't believe that Warner Brothers has all this money, all these archives, and they cannot find a print. Oh, they'd have a it. They have it, print but it's on a Spies double disc. Like us.
1: It's on a double disc. No,
0: no, it's not in a widescreen. They did it on Blu-ray, but you know what? It's not the original thing. Somebody That's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, somebody went through and just black matted it. It's not the original print. They just went over the full screen oh. and put slapped lines on it, which is not Yep. They did that with that and funny farm. Warner Brothers has about a hundred movies in their catalog that they have done this fake matting to or they just said we don't care like the Grumpy Old Men movies. These movies were huge hits. You're telling me that nobody anywhere has a print of either one of these films that you have to do the stupid... Oh, my God. Warner Brothers. You're not... It's not like New World where the company went out of business and no one has any idea what happened huh. to the archives. I don't understand how this is possible. That was a movie in the 90s. That means that Grumpy Old Men and Grumpy Old Men 2 were available on Laserdisc in widescreen at some point. So what? Huh. <laughs> you no, know, there's another duo. Uh, down the road, we could do a duo. You know, the Grumpy Old Man and My. Hello Americans and out to sea. You
1: know, I, you know, I, Ishtar. I love
0: those yes, I suggested this, but I, this is like
1: this is like a good Ishtar. It is because Ishtar spies like us is like a good Ishtar. here's
0: the thing: there's I, a Road
1: I, Two movie, right? Yeah. With. Bing Crosby and... Bob Hope. That's what these two movies are. Well, Ishtar is an attempt to be that and it failed miserably. Uh, It's not the worst movie. Two guys goofing off on camera.
0: It's not the worst movie ever made. I finally watched it last year, but it it tests your patience so much. There's some decent stuff in there. Exactly,
1: right? It's so long. To be such an overblown, guess what we got? We've got these two legendary actors and then it's just, it just stinks. How did it cost $47 million? I don't get it. But then you have Spy like us and that's a successful one they do travel they do globe hop they go to they're in the desert at one point that's where the famous doctor scene comes yeah. up they hook up with some other spies who want to take them off course so they, they end up being the, the successful spies or do they right
0: right i think the best sequence is the military training sequence because that is where i feel like they just got together and, and came with the goofiest ideas they could possibly find i understood that part better when i saw it in the theater but there's a lot of jokes now that i watch yeah. it and go oh Oh, I didn't know what that meant. Okay, now I do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I would say... Since it's such so long ago, we don't even need to talk too much about plot. It is it's a Cold War movie. I I really do like the dynamic between the two guys, spies like us. It is available. It's kind of hard to find though. You might have to shell out some money. Voodoo has what?
0: it. I downloaded it there. It wasn't too expensive. It's on sale for like five ninety nine or something like that.
1: Okay, so yeah, it's good. Uh, I really do enjoy it. It's of it's eighty five, and I always thought it was eighty eight because that's about the time when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> always. It always happens. I'm a Saturday Night Live if I obsessive. Ever see
0: So, for this, I would say it's probably in the top 10 of all the people who came from Saturday Night Live, like, you know, when they became movie stars. Definite top 10.
1: So then, speaking of Saturday Night Live.
0: I did that on purpose. Our next title. I'm so brilliant.
1: And I'm going to ask you, how many times in the theater did you see this movie?
0: Why would anybody see it more than once, unless they were working at the movie theater at that time? Um, Hold on. Are you about to reveal something about you? Because, (laughs) yeah. All right. Yeah. Here we go.
1: Yeah. Night at the Roxbury came out.
2: Steve and Doug Butabi. How you doing? we call you some time, on. They're cute. Where's your car? Our dad got mad. took it away. They're cuddly. Why do I dance? We're not in the club yet. Right. And they're absolutely hopeless. I broke the window again. A night at the Roxbury. <laughs> hey, hot What's going on? <laughs> All right, we'll clean up later. Don't worry about it. Rated
1: PG-13. And I was just like, oh, that's that's fine. I like SNL, kind of, at the time. They were hit and miss for me, skit-wise. But I thought that was kind of a fun skit for a second, right? So then I go and see it on my own. One, because I used to do that, because I was a lonely young guy. And then I, I had this friend, Steve, and I was like, oh my god, Steve might enjoy this. So I went with him, too. And then I had conversation with my friend, Chuck. And so I got together with his buddies. And I was like, Chuck let's go watch this movie because you guys will enjoy it because we all liked oh. skit comedy type stuff so he's like all right so boom three oh my God. and then i got together with my brother because i know he totally he totally loved jerry Maguire, and there's a jerry Maguire joke which he peed his pants not really peed his pants during so four and then i went with there steve again five
0: out this at this time wasn't there <laughs> Wasn't Soldier out? It
1: was 1998, so I don't know. I'm just saying I was also a lot more tolerant of comedies at the time. Apparently, or in need, it filled a hole in my soul. And I'll tell you, though, the jokes are still there. And the jokes sometimes work.
0: Sometimes. (laughs) I feel like the problem here is you have two different actors with completely different dynamics. They never seem like they're exactly on the same page. Chris Kattan feels needy and he's sweating the jokes, and he's sweating them. And Will Ferrell seems so calm and controlled, and now that you look at the way their careers have gone in different directions, it's not a surprise that Will Ferrell became the big star, and Chris Kattan is like on TV at best, because have you seen Corky Romano, the worst comedy ever made? I saw
1: that in the theater too. Please say once. Uh, I did not see it twice.
0: (laughs) I do not have an ill will towards Chris Kattan, but watching Corky Romano, you can almost see that he is panicking every single minute on film to the point where he's having anxiety attacks about what the cocaine
1: scene in hukorka romano had me dying okay once it had me dying one time and then after seeing it on home video later that joke only had life once but i died when i laughed the first time
0: wow Wow, I I sat there in silence and I was just like this is god awful and there's some good actors in that. And there's good actors in, in Neither Roxbury, some before we even knew, you know, who they really were. The lady from American Pie. You know, she always talks in like a shrill nasal voice, but it's weird seeing her before. She got that character down cuz she's just normal and you're like that lady cops the same Really? That's Stifler's mom? What?
1: Her name's Jennifer Coolidge. Hottie cop, hottie police officer is actually how they refer to her in the movie. But in the credits, it's hottie cop. You have Michael Clark Duncan has an appearance. Richard Grieco. He's got a... Grieco! <laughs> See, the movie's rather quotable. Emilio, Grieco...
2: Emilio! <laughs>
0: Lon-
1: Lonnie Anderson, Dan Hedaya. Emilio's not in the movie, but he's a reference. Constant. Uh, but it's a very quotable film, and... The guys are lovable now every duo dynamic has it's i think based on bud abbott and Lou costello bud abbott he's a straight one he says the punch line of the jokes he says the the thing that's the zinger or whatever but Lou costello is the joke he's the dumb one he's the silly one he's the person that has the physical over comedic cartoony reactions and the dynamics are always like that like spies like us chevy chase was the costello by the way this have
0: you ever seen a movie called bud and Lou about- about their life with Harvey Corman and Buddy Hackett. No. It's horrific. Buddy Hackett, I am not sure, has a central nervous system because nothing he does in that film is normal human behavior. Wow. It's- yeah, I,
1: I actually looked for it, but I didn't quite find it. So I was wanting to see what weirdness you were talking about. Oh, I have it. But-
0: I'll, I, if I still have it around here, I'll send it to you. It's uh, mind-boggling.
1: But Chris Kattan takes the Bud Abbott character. He's the straight one or at least the smart of the two he does have physical reaction comedy both of them do one of my favorite things is
2: from now on consider me your ex-brother i don't care you care about this huh you want that you want the real no. thing huh do you want to- no! Stop talking to me! Fine, my right. pleasure! Good. Fine,
1: nice! Now, my brother and I were stuck in a car in 1998. After this movie came out, I do believe it, at one point, we were going up the coast to Portland, and my dad's driving. It's a family trip. We're adults, and my brother's being a jerk, and I pull off some of that. You want some of this? You want to take it outside? And he, I swear, I swear, he was going to get out of the car. He reached for his buckle to get out of the car as we're speeding down what? the highway. Well, I'm that's like, crazy. dude, are you serious? I'm obviously making a joke about how ridiculous it is that we're adults sitting next to each other and you're acting like a teenager trying to fight me. Anyway, yeah. Want some of this? How about some of that? Want to take it outside? You know, that attitude. I always thought that's funny.
0: By the way, do you know what these characters were based on?
1: At least one douchey dude that they saw when they were working in the groundlings.
0: They um, apparently, see, I've heard two different stories on this. I've heard that it was during the filming of Double Team that Van Damme and Mickey Rourke were hanging out at a club where Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan were hanging out like during the off season. And they saw some guy acting just like the characters they play in Night at the Roxbury and they're making fun of him. Mickey Rourke comes over and he's like, hey, you making fun of my friends. Oh my god. like, no, we're a- oh my god, is this Mickey? What happened to your face? Wow. <laughs> That's the story that he told on Conan. No, I
1: only heard of the generic general. We just saw a douchebag dude doing this thing and the girls wouldn't want to dance with him but he wouldn't relent which I guess now would be I guess it's played for comedy but now it would be seen as assault yeah oh my god like yeah. so many other movies that preceded this Revenge of the Nerds I'm looking at you
0: I like part two part I don't... two's the nice one the first one's a little little rapey a little sleazy I, I have a little I have serious issues with
1: masquerading person. in order to yes I know
0: yeah, shut up I'm uh... trying not to collapse <laughs> mentally maybe. it is we were you you and I discussed this or me and Jacob were discussing like it's strange that basically she had sex with him but not knowing it was him thinking it was someone else and at the end it was okay which is not how normal people behave that is not what a woman would do yeah it's non-consensual it's 80s 80s bullshit
1: yeah she thought that that was uh, another guy the guy she did want to have sex with but no it's non-consensual so but hey he's won right ugh so this sort of attitude but however in Night at the Roxbury there always pushed off and the girls are always disgusted and get off of me gross stop and they hardly ever get their way like i think they get their way with those two um ladies one of them is elise donovan and i can't stand her acting in this movie
0: do you think it's weird that when they do get the chance at sex that they're repulsed they're absolutely repulsed. they were they're
1: virgins which is the joke the joke is that they have no clue what they're doing but they're putting up that front of So so that movie, Spies Like Us, is about the disposability of man, honestly. Masculine Mm -hmm. disposability, not necessarily about fragile masculinity. But Night at the Roxbury is a strange beast because it is about brotherly love and sibling bonding, which is great. But underpinning that is fragile masculinity.
0: I've been around people who are compulsive liars, and I'm not going to say I'm the most stable or secure person on the planet for sure. And I've been known to tell a story more than I should be telling a story especially if the person with me has heard the story before. I've learned to curb that. But you know when they're telling the Emilio story like for the fifth time? So I'm standing there waiting to use the
2: payphone, and this guy who's on the phone turns around and tips his hat like this.
1: And who do you think that guy was? Emilio Estevan. The mighty duck man, I swear to God. I was like, Emilio!
2: <laughs> 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 Emilio!
0: There is a sad broken desperation and it's intended of course but you kind of get the characters during that scene, like they're just, they want to be known. They're tired of being nobody. The weird thing is, they're not Yeah, because really...
1: they can't get into the Roxbury. That's the whole thing. They can't get into the club. It's not
0: just the Roxbury, though. It just seems like they're not welcome anywhere. Everywhere they go, they're, they're yeah. annoying. They're a pain in the ass. Even when they call people. Like, I told you not to call here anymore. And it's like, oh, you know... I just want to see if this credit card will go through. <laughs> I don't know if they're delusional and they just won't accept that nobody wants them around. Or they're completely and absolutely like disconnect. Like at no point.
1: They're. they're- it's The joke is because this is a dumb comedy and it has to serve the comedy of it. The joke is that they're oblivious. However, they're slightly aware, especially when the poo hits the fan and the two break up as brother bros, you know?
0: I have a guy that I I used to work with that would say, Uh, did you touch my ass? Hey. They do touching touch of my ass.
1: Oh, my God. That's a part of the movie that I was always annoyed with.
0: Yeah, it's funny the first couple times he said it. One,
1: Chaz Balmateri, kind of amusing. Oh, I get the joke. And then it just keeps going. Yeah, but
0: that's what the guy at work would do. Like, once a
1: week. Yeah, I, he's such an important part of the, the movie as far as them getting an actual club to design or whatever. But I don't know why he's in the movie at all. Doesn't make any sense to Probably me. Probably
0: because he just did serious stuff and he thought it'd be fun just to do a comedy, which I don't think he had done at this time. And you Know why Richard Grieco took it. I haven't been on the big screen in seven years. <laughs> he looks so bad in comparison to the way he looked in... He looks tired. I mean, it was like seven years prior when we watched him in if looks could kill. He looked like he was a high school student or maybe a little bit older than a high school student then. Seven years later in Night of the Roxburgh, he looks 40.
1: It's amazing. It was seven years from looks to kill... Yeah, seven year difference. ...to a slew of straight-to-video garbage because nobody wanted him. And then they use him as a punchline. he took it because he needed it. It's like key to get into the door it's weird
0: yeah well i mean in itself it's a joke but he is a smart enough actor to know hey this is a good opportunity and he gets to play the straight man so he does have a couple funny reaction shots to the whole thing yeah but it obviously didn't do anything for his career and
1: he's obviously really like cakewalking the acting he's not really acting no 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 however like the movie's fine in a general sense there is a, a fan base for it and it's, it's a weird one because a lot of normies really like this movie. I think it's super, super hilarious. And now that I've seen it so many times, I never have to see it ever again. <laughs>
0: Yeah. This was the comeback for the Saturday Night Live movies, you know, cause it's Pat was barely released and Stuart Saves His Family was barely released, both huge flops. So this was the first one, and this one made about thirty million and then um, Superstar did about the same. And then Ladies' Man, which I think is the best of the three, didn't make any money and it ended the Saturday Life movie. What's interesting time.
1: is that Ladies' Man is a is a smarter movie with a lot more to say. It's got an actual heartbeat instead of just a bunch of jokes strung together. This movie struggles with the fragile masculinity through line, but it doesn't actually... Because guess what? It's a comedy. Come on, just let it be a comedy. We don't have to think too hard about stuff. But Ladies' Man actually does get to the think about stuff at some point, if I'm not mistaken. That's why the tone was like, wait a minute, is this a drama now?
0: Yeah, it should have been a much bigger hit, but I think it's just like, you know, it was kind of a sub-character. This one Saturday Night Live really didn't have, like, a lot of really known characters that were huge fans. I mean, this is right after Santa Live was considered Saturday Night Dead and the entire cast got changed over. So *Night at the Roxbury, I think is the first thing that really connected the people. But yeah, Ladies Man wasn't, it was kind of a cult following for that
1: one. So Night at the Roxbury, useless, douchey, fragile masculinity, but somehow they're kind of lovable. Moving forward, we have Ready to Rumble. Buenos nachos.
2: Corey, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Are you fluent? No, I feel fine. Gordy and Sean had dead-end jobs. People always said I was a dreamer, an idiot, and a waste of life, and I will never amount to anything. Hit me, baby, one more time. No luck with the ladies. Brittany, let's go out again. We'll talk about me and you. Dude, you're in there. And no one to look up to. free Your sister shot her first perp today. That's okay. nice, Gabby. But at least they had a hero. Jimmy King is the greatest wrestler of all time. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Now, these dreamers will go to any lengths Please! and do whatever it takes. We got a friend who's gonna get you a trainer. Everybody knows wrestling's fake. fake! To put their king do feel back on his throne. Any match, anytime! We are chicks rock. Woof, woof, woof. ready to rumble I can't say it in the way that it's
1: supposed to be said because we'll have to pay a, a fine or a fee what a dick sorry I can't stand that guy what
0: are we talking about? what?
1: the guy in the cage at the end of the movie who ye- yells ready to rumble yeah he copyrighted seriously? that phrase so only he can say it so if you Ugh, if you want to use that in a show crazy. in a movie in a whatever you have to pay him to say it yeah he, he gets his no cameo way. appearance or whatever that's terrible. tv show movie live appearance doesn't matter or you pay him so I, I can't stand that guy i i'm gonna ask you how is oliver platt and martin landau in this movie
0: martin landau i don't think understands how a script <laughs> how to read a script because it seems like most of the stuff he does, if it's good, it seems to be like, oh, he, he just, like, oh, that's just good timing, you know, someone saw him as a good actor. He is a good actor, but I don't think he knows how to just select projects. It doesn't help that he also looks like a lizard. <laughs> what? I know that's a mean thing to say, but the man looks like... I don't, uh, he yeah. played, okay. Yeah.
1: For folks out there who don't really know, Martin Landau played on the original Mission Impossible and a bevy of movies and stuff from the 60s onward, and he got an Oscar, I do believe, right? Yes. For Ed Wood, where he played Bella Lugosi to perfection. However, Bella Lugosi wasn't as foul-mouthed as he is in the movie. I don't care; he's perfect in the movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And in, in the year 2000, 2000, in the year 2000, out in comes the, the movie. In the
0: year 2000. <laughs>
1: called in the year
0: 2000
1: ready to rumble and he plays a wrestling mentor instructor sort of guy he's this wiry old guy and he's got a bit part in this movie it's a part enough though that it's just a head scratcher how does he get in this movie but this movie stars Oliver Platt as a washed-up wrestler yeah is he based on Jerry Lawler
0: Uh, that that would make sense Jerry the King
1: now I'm not big on wrestling and why I saw this movie was because of my wife what Uh uh-huh
0: you mean in theaters no i never saw
1: this i never saw this in the theater but for some reason we had it or we rented it or something and she said no it's fine it's funny so i was like what are you serious and we watched this movie and i was amused i'll tell you honestly i was this is a past tense thing amused and this rewatch again she was around for part of it and she's like i'm just gonna tell you i was a different person when i liked this movie
0: <laughs> oh, that's so. we
1: were we were of different minds think about it since 2000 the world trade center came down we've had atrocities all over america has definitely lost all of its innocence. Just about everything is wrong, even if it's not intended to be wrong, there's gonna be somebody who's gonna be upset about it. And then, of those things that some people are upset about, there's going to be a significant number of those things that are worth being upset about. And a significant number of those things are actually in this film. One of it, Is the homophobia. Yep. Lots and lots of homophobia. PG-13, it's all right. That's how teenagers are. Well, the story is these two wrestling mega fans are also kind of losers. One of them has his own business. He's a septic tank emptier. He has a truck that empties septic tanks. And his buddy is just a wrestling fan whose dad wants him to be a state trooper and that's where a lot of the homophobia is but his character is also homophobic at certain points and there's a point towards the end of the film in which our septic tank guy is just
2: cool he's like we're men we're not afraid to say that we love other men
1: there's something in it It seems like too little too late guys you guys have been homophobic throughout the whole movie and you're saying at the end that you're cool with things that guys would generally not be cool with because yeah Did did somebody write a note to the director like, we have to work this in because...
0: Yeah, I get the feeling that test audiences were like, no, no. No, I don't know, because see, test audiences for a movie like this in the year 2000, this is when the WWE was so massive that, you know, you start seeing influence in other films, like we saw in Highlander 4. But
1: this was WCW. This was a WCW film. Oh,
0: well, I mean, just in general, the wrestling was massive. You know, you saw it in uh, Highlander 4, we saw it in Universal Soldier 2, and we see it here where studio films are being geared specifically for this kind of audience. I mean, look, now now they have their own studio and they make their movies. It's crazy, but uh, nowhere nearly as popular now as it was then.
1: Right, so our two heroes, David Arquette and Scott Kahn, again follow that dumb duo template and Scott Kahn being the smarter of the two and David Arquette being the dumb so Gordy and Sean along for the ride you of course you have Oliver Platt As the washed-up wrestler, Jimmy King. I will rule you! And Rose McGowan. I I don't know. Rose McGowan is confusing to me because she's uh, a vocal feminist. And this was 2000, and I don't know if she was a vocal feminist at the time, or if she was feminist at all. But her role is based solely on her looks, and she's a very attractive woman.
0: I don't know. It's it's jarring knowing what kind of person she is now with the way it is then. Yeah, it's it's it's
1: a a big split. So, uh, then you have also wrestlers, like, goldberg diamond dallas page a bunch of others like sting etc the whole point is to get jimmy king back into the ring to win some sort of championship so that he can get a million dollars and actually be a stand-up guy for once it's kind of a road movie and i never realized that this was a road movie but it is they keep traveling from place to place and finally they wrestle it's not a lot to this movie
0: no i just i don't find the movie funny I don't find the action entertaining. I sat in the theater, and I only went because there's frankly nothing else out, and a friend just wanted to go to a movie. I'm like, yeah, sure, I want to get out of the house and go do something. And I sat there just like, this is hell. This is just so... And he was so happy and excited. He was a huge wrestling fan, and I'm just like, ah, God, end this Now, there's a
1: certain kind of, uh, in spite of the homophobia and stuff like this, the dynamic between David Arquette and Scott Kahn is really fun. It seems like they're friends. That stuff rings true. I really do like friend movies. like this is my friend and he and i or she and i are gonna go on an adventure i really like that friend element it it speaks to me so at the time i gave this movie it's all right it's okay but but now now it hurts (laughs) in spite of that friend element
0: yep I just wanted. I, I'm not even sure I even finished it. I, I got to tell you, I, I kind of phased out towards the end. I was reading a comic book, and I was like, "Oh, it's over. All right." I there was something about a there cage, is a cage match, thing? yeah. I don't know. And then the sun comes in to fight him, and yeah. And then I was just kind of like, "I'm done."
1: Well, being that you're done, I think we're done with it. Uh, so obviously, this is a <laughs> this is another stinker. It didn't work. Darn it! This episode is a failure. Except it's not. It sort of is. But Evil Alien Conquerors is our next movie. Since the beginning of
2: time, we've looked to the stars and wondered if we are alone very soon we'll wish we were Ah! we are evil alien conquerors from the planet kabiz sent here to utterly dominate your planet and annihilate all human life that's cool behold our swords i don't ever want to see you two in here again mr breen the first to be behaved the most dangerous place in the universe. They really are the evil alien conquerors. Is the space between their ears like Independence Day? Except they don't have big ships. You will be headless. Your heads will be ours. Some people might not line up to be beheaded. Not a problem. Whatever. Nope. No. Not I, a problem. No. No. Nope. Watch out for the power lines. You guys okay? We are superior beings. May we help you gentlemen? Greg, Raging, Belcrons, unibrows! Lock your doors. <laughs> Hide your cows. Prepare to sacrifice your life, cow, so that we may practice beheading. Oh, cow! We're sorry, cow! The evil ones have arrived. This is our mission. Number one, come to planet Earth. Number two, annihilate all human life. There is no number three, develop a drinking problem. Number four, fall in love with a divorced hussy. Evil Alien Conquerors. Don't make me kill you. 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 By
1: Chris Matheson. A Bill and Ted, we mentioned that before
0: yep and one of my favorites that we've never discussed about doofus people is uh mom and dad save the world
1: yeah and that one works as a as a send-up of flash gordon movies but taking two regular normal dorky parents and putting them in a flash gordon movie situation that one works in that way because it is a satire and a spoof of those old movies and it looks like it now evil alien conquerors is so cheap
0: five hundred thousand dollars
1: that it hurts the movie Painfully, But there was something in it at the time. I think absurdity. This is the year, 2003, when this came out, when the absurdity of Cartoon Network Adult Swim hadn't reached its Tim and Eric right. levels. So something like this was the anomaly. And I really appreciated that about it at the time.
0: I didn't hate the movie. But it kept wearing on my patience. It's like, all right, already, that joke's been going on forever. It's bizarre that special effects are credited to Digital Domain, which was James Cameron and Stan Winston's company, a high level company, you know, almost uh, the same level as ILM. And yet, there's only two special effects sequences in this that clearly could have been done on someone, some college student could have done it on his laptop. <laughs>
1: That's the laser gun that shoots really slowly and what's the other And then the just
0: making uh, Krogar look huge.
1: Oh, uh, oh no, that's that's his camera angle. No, the other se- special effects is when, alright, so these two aliens are sent to Earth to conquer it with swords. They have swords and they're supposed to decapitate all of humanity and conquer Earth. They're from a planet called Cabbage, really. That's the joke. They say Cabbage but it's Cabbage. Ah, and I didn't catch that one. their names Myick and Doog. <laughs> but they keep saying it wrong each time according to the spelling they say mike doug my mike mike doug they don't ever break it apart like they're supposed to but on the script it's broken apart and in order to be teleported they have a teleporter helmet that they put on a dude this is the special effects guys i do believe Mm -hmm. whenever they they use the teleporter it just takes the head off of the guy who's wearing the helmet so he falls over without a head the king, his name is Rabir, the king of the planet Kabij is Mike McShane, who has hardly any words. Who
0: is this again? Mike
1: McShane, from whose line is it anyway? The big fellow with the beard.
0: Oh! Okay, I thought he looked familiar.
1: Yeah, he's just oblivious. Now this movie is full of comedy actors and character actors. You have Phil Lamar in a guest role. I would call it a guest role. Mike McShane, just mentioned him.
0: I love Phil Lamar. I mean, he's mostly known for voice acting now, but when he was on Mad TV, he was my favorite.
1: Yeah, he was good. Like, he's got a vo- I love his voice, his voice acting. And here, his delivery of his lines are as funny as they can be. It works better now. That sort of thing. Michael Weston is really fun and weird, and I don't understand his character in this.
0: No, I, I had a a hard time every time i thought i figured his character out i all of a sudden it threw it for another loop i'm like wait what
1: <laughs> dietrich batter chris parnell those are the two aliens tyler labine is another alien eldon henson is michael weston's douchey roommate who's always going on about his sun chips and crystal geysers and how he is really good at having sex
0: was this entire movie paid for by sponsors because they mentioned three companies over and over over, they and work and over the, they work them, them in as things. jokes.
1: Like so Chris Parnell at one point becomes addicted to <laughs> smearing off ice. So Doug
0: Yes, but you know that it was paid they had to have given a huge chunk of the budget over for that.
1: Yeah, so Mayak and Doug are teleported to Earth and Kenny, Mike Weston, sees it happen. He just sees them show up and he waits for them to walk to him <laughs> I guess. He's like, hey, you guys are aliens, right? I saw you arrive. <laughs> and they have, instead of these big swords that they're going to decapitate everybody with for some reason those swords shrank to cocktail skewer sizes which is a funny joke. There's funny things in this movie, but now also I've seen this too many times. Uh, diminishing returns.
0: Definitely. Like The first time, it's funny, and then they keep repeating these jokes. And I just understand that Chris Matheson is a great writer. He's written numerous great scripts. And yet, for some reason, I feel like it w- It feels like it was a Saturday Night Live skit that just got expanded and just didn't have enough material. I just kept wondering why they kept repeating themselves over and over. I was like, got it. Got it a long time ago. Why? Oh, this has been a half hour. You're still doing the same joke. Damn.
1: Yeah, it's kinda, it kind of joke-wise it gets a little long. So they are inept. These are two idiots. They've come to Earth to decapitate it. They can't do the job. There's various little attempts that they try to come up with uh, threatening people at least. And Kenny tells them that they need to make money in order to get weapons in order to chop everybody's head off. Why is Kenny helping them? <laughs> is he helping them? Is Kenny actually being a troll to them, basically, He's and not just that, uh, I don't, I, goofing on? That them. would make
0: a lot more sense because his character seems dumb at times. And I'm like, wait, I thought he was supposed to be smart. And if he is messing with them, trolling them, then that makes a lot more sense. But somehow in the editing, I feel like. Except
1: it's not clear, right? Yeah, it was lost. Because by the end, he finds the giant, 100 foot tall, Croker's sword, which is now a regular sized sword. And Croker is supposed to be sent to Earth to stomp it to pieces, kill those two dudes, the Mayak and Doug, and destroy Earth because he's 100 foot tall. I am Croker! I am
2: 100! Oh, behold my immensity!
1: so Godzilla size, and wreck the place, but it, it's just Tyler Bean. <laughs> Regular Tyler Bean size. But Kenny finds the sword, and the rest of the movie is Kenny, whenever they cut to Kenny, he's just whipping the sword around in the desert, doing, like, teenage boy kung fu noises.
0: Yeah, I really didn't get that.
1: He's playing an adult. It's funny, I mean, the shots are funny, because you relate to that, playing in your backyard or in your front yard with a stick. You relate to it, I'm sure.
0: I just did that 15 minutes ago. You know? I
1: relate to it, but, like, he's a grown man he's got this sword he's going whoosh, 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 whoosh. meantime the rest of the movie's happening over there and by the end of the film he gets teleported to kibij and is is now this is the other special effect he's floating in the air and then he lands and accidentally cuts off the head of revere the king and now he's the king Enthus for kenny that's a special effect that mike mcshane's head came off it it Great. A
0: lot of the problems with this movie seems like the comedy is set up but never fully written out, and since Chris Parnell and DJ Bader are guys who are used to like improving and being silly. Yeah. I think I feel like they winged a lot of it. But the thing that drove me nuts was the Krogar part. It's like a half hour of yelling. I was in a play where I had to yell all the time and I had such a migraine the entire time I have no idea oh my God. how the bean made it through it.
1: I concur. at this time watching it, I was like he's that's all he's doing is yelling. And it is kind of funny. He Ends up being an by the end of the movie when everything's said and done and he's still on earth not having destroyed anything he ends up being a an infomercial salesperson a pitch band he- The infomercial
2: stuff was hilarious. I am Croker. Have you ever wished for a giant destroyer to come from the planet Beach and annihilate all human life? Well, friends, now is your chance. For only $29.95, I, Croker the Merciless, will smash you beneath my mighty foot. I am 100 feet tall. I can crush you between my enormous fingers. Ah, Act now and you shall receive this remarkable exercise device the belly twister and croaker domination although I'm 100 feet tall my belly was soft but then I discovered belly twister and now my belly is like steel and so easy to use belly twister belly twister belly twister belly
1: and for some reason this isn't necessarily set up at any part of the movie but Maya and doug are now they, they now flip burgers for their own food truck that's never been addressed but they actually come afoul of these two other evil alien conqueror ladies who they don't realize are evil alien conqueror ladies who decided to go awol and stay on earth because they liked it but then they end up falling in love with them and there's no real conflict there when Croker shows up Croker is also inept at destroying stuff and they save the day there's not a lot of conflict here it's no. just a bunch of hey look these guys are inept this movie is also about a lot of fragile masculinity too in a way Because they could have actually focused on the ladies being also inept at destroying Earth, because it just goes without saying now that we realize that they too are aliens. But as it's played, there's a lot of posturing. Like, the alien planet is full of dudes whose social behavior is posturing. Like, I will behead you! That sort of thing.
2: I will rule you!
1: (laughs) Evil Alien Conquerors, I I enjoy it, except I don't anymore. I enjoyed it a lot, and now I could do without it. So, the only one of these movies that is fine. (laughs) Yeah. so when you suggested, yes, boy, um, you know what's funny I'm, is we're not competing or anything. Did you but ever it hurts.
0: see a TV show called Danger Theater around '93? Yeah. Uh, you remember the character yes. that Dietrich Plater played, the the searcher? Yeah,
1: the searcher was awesome. That's
0: very similar, and it's like the gags and the tone is very similar to Danger Theater. But I gotta tell you, I wish Penelope Spheres had made a movie of that instead of Chris Matheson making a movie of this.
1: Well, you know, this would probably work better as a half-hour TV show.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Then an hour and a half TV show. Now, the divorcee part is actually probably the funniest part, but it's all too brief where they go and get hired by Beth Grant, who is a divorcee who has all the the off ice yeah and she tries to seduce chris parnell that's some of the funnier parts but
0: yeah it's a it's a hard to find movie too but i mean that company went out of business a long time ago so uh i don't know if this movie's still out there or not i
1: have the disc i mean
0: well i'm pretty sure it's a blockbuster exclusive if i remember
1: correctly yep it indeed was so there you go hey this just a weird episode it's 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 not a recommendation episode except for Spides Like Us
0: no I mean we needed something to cleanse the palate after last month's horrifying like deep complex <laughs> right. episode well the next uh, and I would like I would like to go on to some you know some more silly stuff but I think we're just gonna have to wait because we yeah well more the next to episode the is
1: weed. definitely gonna suck
0: <laughs> good one
1: <laughs> bye everybody
0: Shia, ya kid
1: This episode is a failure!